I've been uh, kind of hiding it until time, and I forgot to put it on. All right, Romans chapter 11, going to move pretty quickly here. Uh, you look at verse 1, that, of course, we're just now starting into to Romans chapter 11. But it says, um, I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid, for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham and of the tribe of ben Benjamin. Uh, God hath not cast away his people for uh, which he foreknew. What? Ye not? What the scripture saith of Elias? How he maketh intercession to God against Israel, and notice that, against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto, unto him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Even so then, at this time, also there is a remnant according to the election of grace." And if by grace, then it is no more of works, otherwise grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace, otherwise work is no more work. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it. And the rest were blinded, according as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear unto this day. And David saith, let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down their back always. And I say then, have they, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather through their fall, salvation has come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. Now if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. Father, I pray that you bless tonight. Holy Spirit, God, my mind, I yield myself to thee as, as I always desire that you would fill me and, and, and God, my mind, Lord, that, that, that people would not have wasted their time to come here, that they would come and get uh, what, the, what you would have for them, what the Spirit desires for them to learn and to see and to grow. So, Spirit of God, guide my mind, my thoughts, and please help me to be a blessing here tonight to someone. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now, we, we, again, I, I'm not sure that we'll get through all 12 verses here. But uh, remember, last week we finished with uh, 1021. And uh, let's see here. I still learn this thing here. Okay, now i got 1021. It says, But to Israel he saith, All day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Uh, and we have to, you almost have to go back. You know, context is so important whenever you start something. I mean, the divisions in the chapters, forgive me, but they weren't expired, inspired. They were just something that people put in there, the divisions. Uh, they put there to help us to kind of know where to look and know how to, uh, you know, the, the flow of thought. But, but, the, uh, but so we go back to the context, and he says, the very last thing he says in chapter 10 is, is, but to Israel he saith, all day long I have stretched forth my hand unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Now, uh, apparently I'm not, oh, there we go. All right, I went too many times. Goodness. Sorry, y'all. Uh, there we go. If it'll stay there, it'll probably go back more. Okay, disobedient, it says, not to allow oneself to be persuaded to refuse belief and obedience. Gainsaying is to speak against, to contradict. And so uh, what we saw is, is that that's, 
this statement of this disobedience where they, they don't want to be persuaded. Not only do they not want to be persuaded, but they're speaking against. They're speaking against what God is saying, and they're speaking against uh, the truth of grace. They're speaking against that. And so that leads us into verse 1 in, in chapter 11. It says in uh, verse 1, chapter 11, it says, Hath God cast away his people? And I'm not sure why I'm clicking, but uh, there we go, finally. I'm not sure why it's not working, but it says, Hath God cast away his people? I say then, Hath God cast away his people? God forbid, for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. And then you go into verse 2, the first part of it, 2a, it says, And God uh, hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. In this, in this first verse, we see Paul establishing the fact that God has not cast away his people. His, his people turned away from him. That's really uh, what God's trying to show here, and, and something's not right up there. And again, I'm, I'm learning this and working with it. But God has, cast to, has not cast away his people. The people turned away from God. I, and you know, it's too much. You know, so often this is talking to the Jews, but too often what we tend to do is that we look at it, we look at almost uh, historical information. But just like history of America should teach us about America and teach us about decisions that have been made right or wrong, the Bible really teaches us about uh, you know the decisions of the past that that apply to us today. And and what we have here is a people that are kind of saying God you know, have a tendency to feel like God cast them away. No, God didn't cast you away. You turn, you cast God away. And so what we see here, though, he says, God has not cast away his people, which he, for, he foreknew. And God's trying to make it clear to all people from all through history uh, to the time. And Paul's writing and to us today, God didn't turn away from them. They turned away from him. Paul says, of course, though, God did not cast away his people, uh, cast away all Israel, for he himself is of Israel. And, and, and he's making just, it should be just a, a point of reason here, but he's also trying to make sure that people understand this. And again, today, a lot of times uh, I hear people read the scripture, and if you don't read in context, and if you don't read, forgive me, with just a little bit of uh, rational reasoning in this thing, uh, you'd look at it and say, well, God's turned away from all of Israel. And some people even go to the point of saying, Israelites, Jewish people cannot be saved. Well, well how's that possible? Paul got saved. And so what he's, say, he's saying is, it's just, you know, I'm of the seed of Abraham, and I got saved. He says, so God didn't cast away all of us. There are those who turned and cast away God. There's those who turned away from God. But there, Paul, Paul says, of course, God saved me. It would be impossible for God to cast away all Israel, yet save Paul. So he, he also is saved. And there's been many Jews have been saved over the course of history. God has demonstrated that he deals with all people according to his promises and according to the principles and truths of his word. And that, that brings us to the verses up there. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if we skipped something or what, but, or maybe I got it out of the order. But, but God has not cast away his people, which he foreknew. Now, number one, God... These are a couple of different ways in which this, this can, um, this, what this can mean. God chose the people of Israel, so this could be the reality that God, not, God has not cast them away forever. It says God has not cast away his people, which he foreknew. Um, you know, God's, the Israelites were the chosen people, 
in the, in the mind of God, they, he foreknew and knew that he would cho- choose those people. And he hasn't cast them away forever. The promises that God made to Israel, the covenant will, covenants will be fulfilled, even though today Israel has forfeited presently their national religious privilege. Uh, so, and that's the best way I knew how to put it, is uh, they, the Israel uh, it right now has been set aside. Uh, Gentiles have been engrafted in. And, and so this could mean that, that God has not forsaken them forever or God has not cast them away forever. The Christian is not heir to the promises made to the Jewish nation. And so God's going to fulfill those promises eventually. But, uh, they are, but the Christian is the heir of God, the joint heir with Jesus Christ. The Christian is heir to the spiritual, but not the national blessings of the people of Israel. So the, the Christian has access to Jesus Christ, has access to salvation, but the, the blessings that have been placed upon Israel and the, uh, and the fact that God, they are God's chosen people, we're not that. We're not chosen people like the people of Israel. Now, number two is this, could be this. This could also mean that the Jew who has chosen to believe and receive Christ was known by God in eternity past. And even though the nation has been set aside, the individual has not. So it's just another thought. Um, That leads us into the statement found in the latter part of verse 2. Scripture. Okay. Yeah, we... Okay, it says, Watch ye not what the Scripture saith of Elias, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets and dig down thine altars. I am left alone, and they seek my life. Uh, you see, the Elijah is, this is an illustration taken from 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19. Isaiah, uh, I mean, Elijah is distraught. I don't know why I keep doing that. Elijah is distraught. He has been through a battle. He has had his life threatened. He has been hungry. He has been fed. And what he ate carried him through for 40 days. He's down and discouraged and frustrated with the people of Israel. He does what a man does when it comes to weariness. And this is the scriptures talking about this. It's referring to this incident here in, in 1 Kings 18 and 19. Weariness, they say, makes cowards of us all. I say that often because, I'll be honest with you, this my, possibly my biggest spiritual struggle time is just when I'm just totally wore out, uh, when I'm just, uh, when I'm bottomed out physically. Uh, and so it's my great concern time. And, and weariness has caused Elijah to run in the fear, uh, a fear of Jezebel. He has defeated uh, the prophets of Baal, but he turns in fear when Jezebel comes after him. Just as a side note in this, that uh, they're often after a great victory, you're, you're susceptible to attack. You, you have to understand, you get, weariness is the issue. And whether you're weary from sickness or weary from an attack or weary from great effort in a great victory, you're still weary. You're physically weary. And so you have to be careful. Elijah just had an incredible victory, had a wonderful victory. 
and, and he's just defeated these prophets of Baal, but now he's spiritually depleted. And this leads us to the desire to give up and give in. This is what's happened to Elijah. It also, come, what happens to Elijah, weariness will cause us to become critical and negative. And this is not, this is not to marriages here, but I just want to warn you, uh, folks, be real careful when either one of you or especially both of you are very weary. If you're war, slap, this can even happen on vacation. Okay, vacations or not vacations. For normal people, vacations, I used to, I used to tell you, Beth, I said, I got to go back to work to get some rest because I'd be so exhausted from a vacation and, and, and so exhausted from trying to take care of seven women on a vacation. Amen. I would just see, I'd be just totally depleted and, and I'd be exhausted financially and I'd be exhausted physically and I'd be exhausted mentally and can I, forgive me, but often exhausted spiritually because the hardest time to stay on schedule spiritually is on a vacation. And so, uh, you say, why are you bringing it up? Because it's summertime and people go on vacation. Uh, but, but husband and wife, be very careful. When, when either one is very weary, you, you need to give some space at that time because weariness just makes us critical. It makes us very easy to anger. It makes us very easy to criticize, very easy to be negative. Elijah's lashing out about the people of God. The scripture says uh, that, that he made, if you see it, it says he maketh intercession to God against Israel. He, he's, he's upset because he's weary. He's upset because he's, he's just spiritually, he's just used up. And God, he's, he's making this attack. He lashes out about the people of God as though he is the only godly person left. He condemns the people as a whole, forgetting for a moment that there are individuals who still seek God. Now, again, I'm going to make a little sideline illustration here, but, and this is, forgive me, this is not about me, but, but the, everybody leads at some level, and people follow those leaders, and wherever you are in a chain of command, at, at any moment, if you have a leader, and I'm especially talking about a spiritual leader right now, if you listen to this now, if you ever worry about a leader, you do not need to worry as much when he's fighting a battle with his people by his side. That's not the main time to worry about a leader, when he's fighting a battle with people by his side. The main time to worry about a leader, the time that you really need to pray for them, is when they are weary and feel alone in the battle. If you ever sense or it seems to be that they feel like they are fighting a battle alone, anywhere, you, you, even after a great victory, if they stand alone at the top of a mountain, they, they're still alone and susceptible to discouragement because of the weariness and the loneliness. Now, I don't know when you'll ever be faced with this, but I, I, I've seen it. I've worked in it, I've, I've been the follower, I've been the leader, and I've seen it happen both, both ways, uh, from both sides of this, but, but being in the midst of a battle, man, you're ready to go. When you're alone, man, you're very susceptible. Susceptible to discouragement, 
because of the weariness and the loneliness. Uh, and, and just to, to put this out, and again, maybe this might help some, some married couples a, along the way, but uh, this is why one of the, the major reasons why Joe Beth and I have always been a team. We try to do everything that we do. We, sailor ministry for 20 years, we worked as a team. Before that, we, uh, we went out, we were in Foster Club and Fisherman's Club, and, and, and uh, she would go out and, and she would win uh, a man to the Lord, and he's going to come to church, and I'd win a, a lady to the Lord, going to come to church, where we would, we would team up, pick them both up, and she'd take the lady to be baptized, and I'd take the man to be baptized, and, and you know, we were working as a team. Uh, we do that here. If you, you may not have noticed, but I kind of like having her around, and I kind of like having her work with me. You know, here's the reason, because Ecclesiastes 4.9 says two are better than one. It, 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 it's, you know, for if, they, you know, if one of them falls, the other one's there to lift them up. That's what Ecclesiastes teaches. And, and, and you know, who better to, to lift you up than your spouse, and who better to lift up than your spouse? And so, uh, this is what the Lord says to Elijah, though, in verse 4, if I can get this thing to change for me. And it did. Uh, there's Ecclesiastes, and then... Uh, I think what I did, uh, it doesn't matter. Verse 4, but what saith the, the, the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Um, God gives an attitude, watch this, I love this. God gives an attitude of judgment, uh, adjustment to Elijah. He says, but what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. You know, God says, shut up, is really what he's saying to him. He's saying to Elijah, Elijah, just shut up. You're up there moaning and groaning about you're the only one. And he said, let me just tell you, I got 7,000 like you. I got 7,000 others who have not bowed to Baal. You think you're special because you have not bowed? I got 7,000 other people that have not bowed to Baal. God gives an attitude of justice. He's really saying to, to Elijah, stop having your pity party. It's so amazing how we can see the mighty power and provision of God in a, and in a moment sink them to the depths of despair and find ourselves in a wonderful woe is me pity party. No one has ever had it this bad kind of attitude or I'm alone, alone, there's no one here beside me. Um, God says to Elijah, I have seven more, 7,000 more, so get up and quit complaining, is what he's saying to him here. And then Paul says in, in verse 5, he says, even so then at this present time also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Now, so we're going to shift kind of gears here a little bit, but Paul says, even so then at this present time also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. So even in Paul's day, as it is today, Paul's saying there are individual Jews who have received Christ by grace through faith. He's just saying, he's saying, there's others like me. He said, there are those who have, who have been saved and there are those who have trusted Christ by grace through faith. They are the elect because they receive grace. The very definition of grace shows that they did not earn it or deserve it, but rather it must be a gift that they received and a gift that, they, that some still receive today. That's what grace is. And, and, and so 
Paul's saying this is what took place. Even so, the present time also is remnant according to the election of grace. This brings us to, to the what I, uh, one I've been trying to get to, the, the wonderful clarifying verse that every soul wonder needs to memorize. Now look, folks, if you are Calvary and if you are a soul wonder, let me beg you, do this now. You, you need to memorize the Word of God. You need to have it memorized. You need to be in any situation. Uh, look, you say, well, I'll get nervous about this. I'll just promise you this. If you will go and pray that the Holy Spirit guides you and will be with you when you go to tell people, let me tell you, verses will come up you didn't know you knew. It won't be the fact that you won't be able to think of something. God will help you. It's a, you know, I sometimes I amaze myself. Because I'll be talking to somebody, and all of a sudden, man, this verse comes up, and this verse comes up, and this verse comes up. And if you had set me down and said, do you know this verse? I'm not, I would look at him and say, I'm embarrassed. I probably don't. But man, they just cut, they start coming out. Because, but watch, you got to put it in or it can't come out. God didn't just like magically say, oh, you, poof, here it is. No, he doesn't do that. you got to put it in. And this is a verse I beg you to memorize. It's really not a hard verse. It's not a hard verse to memorize. But Romans 11.6, get this one now. Romans 11.6. Romans 11.6. And then now it's going to go. It's a vital verse to memorize. It says, and if by grace there's no more, it is no, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, there's grace is no more grace. But if it, is, it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Watch. And I, I meant to bring it in here tonight, but I've, I've shown it so many times. But folks, it's a wonderful thing. If you're, you're in somebody's house and you're visiting with them, this is, this is such a fantastic way to get this work salvation area to understand that it's not works and you can't even be works a little bit. Look, if you take two crystal clear glasses of water and you just simply throw any, wipe your hand on the dust on the table, wherever you are, I don't care. Throw it in that one glass and you understand that's your works. It's dirty. If you put any kind of dirt in there, you don't want any part of it. You put any kind of dirt in there, it's dirty. Now watch, all they have to understand is this crystal clear glass of water, that's Jesus Christ, that's grace, that's salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, Him alone. This glass with the dirt in it is your effort to earn heaven. You can't ever earn it because it's already dirty. And all you have to do to explain it to them is take this one and pour a little bit in that one. And grace is no longer grace. You can't even add one little drop of this works into there. It stops being grace. And they've got to understand that. They've got to understand, folks, we've got, forgive me, but when you go to, 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 when I first went to Ghana the first time, when I got there, after witnessing to about the first two or three people, I realized, man, they were easy. We thought they were easy to win. Matter of fact, guys started talking about, man, we'll win 100,000 people in a year. And I went to, uh, we were in a car, and they, and they came and they said, um, 
uh, a guy ran up to the car and he said, do you, do you want these necklaces? And he, you know, broken English, you want necklaces. He's hanging these necklaces. And I thought, well, I'll get some of those for my girls. And, 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 I, and I looked at them, though, but they're all these big old crosses on them, and I really don't like those. I, you know, I like them, you know, just, uh, just plain necklaces. I said, I, 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 bring me everything you got that, that does not have a cross on it. And so he had about half and half crosses and no crosses. So he went back. He went running fast as he could. He comes running back, and he comes back, and everything he's got has got a cross on it. He heard cross. That's all he heard. And I realized when we're witnessing to them, they don't hear everything. And they were so steeped into works religion that they, oh, they were very willing to pray a prayer because watch, that prayer just became one more bead on the chain. That prayer was one more work that they could do that would, oh man, if you got to get baptized, I'll get baptized. If you got to, if you, if you got to come to church, I'll get come to church. If you, if you got to be good to people, I'll try to be good to people. And if you got to pray that prayer, I'll pray that prayer too. Do you understand that that's what we're dealing with here so much in Memphis? They come in to the food bank over and over and over again. They come into the food bank, and this is the same. They are convinced I could take five minutes and they would pray a prayer with me. They really would. I believe 95% of the people come in would pray a prayer with me. And I could say, boom, boom, they got saved. But you can ask, ask Amy. She's been around quite a few times. It's usually 20 minutes, 25 minutes that I'm in there with them. Why? Because I don't want them to add one more bead on the chain. I want them to understand. And I go through it, these illustrations I'm talking about. I go through those in my office with them because I got to get them to understand one more prayer is not just going to somehow, maybe that's one more good work I can throw on top of here that I can get through. No, we've got to, as we're winning people, we've got to get them to clearly understand you can't put one little bit of works in there or you just lost the grace. It's absolutely necessary. Now, in this context, it's absolutely necessary for the Jew to understand that salvation is not through their national heritage. It's not through their Jewish religion and rituals and even sacrifices. This is the primary meaning of this. It's being dealt with at this, at this moment. It's being written to the Jews. But do you understand? It's being written to religion also for all time. The Jew, is Jew, the Jew as the Gentile must come to, to God understanding that salvation is 100% grace and grace alone. This is especially stressed to the Jew because he's so consumed with his heritage that he struggles to believe that he is not special and that all men can equally receive the spiritual promises of God that he may receive. You see... The, God is allowing Paul to just beat this. You know, you know, we'd call it beating a dead horse, but this is not. God just allowing him to hit it and hit it and hit it because the Jew is so consumed with his heritage. Hey, do y'all know where we are? We're in the South. Did anybody realize that? And did you know Southerners are very consumed with their heritage? 
You know why you're going to heaven? Because you're going to the same church that grandma went to and great-grandma went to, and grandpa's buried in the cemetery beside the church. Well, we have a lot. The southern heritage, forgive me, evolved somehow into a works religion. Church membership has become almost as important as baptism. Church membership. I'm a member of such and such church. Anybody, you say, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? You go out so on and they say, I'm a member of such and such church. Now, if you ask them who the pastor is, they don't know. But they're a member of such and such church. And that's going to take care of them. But he must understand, listen, the Jew must understand if grace is mixed with any works, just like the people here in Memphis need to understand, if grace is mixed with any works, it stops being grace, and salvation is only available through grace. So they have to understand that. Once we trust Christ through grace, only then our works cease to be a part of the salvation. This is written to the Jewish people because it so much describes the city and environment. It's written to the Jewish people, but it so much describes the city environment we live in here today. For generations, the people of the South have been taught that works play a part in their salvation. That's, it's just the truth, folks. That's just, I, ever since I, I, you know, I got saved myself and started going out soul winning, this is what, I, what I've been faced with. I, I illustrated when I first got here, just to, when you go to people and the, some of their beliefs, you go to them and say, here's what the Bible says about that belief. And they'll tell you they believe the Bible, but they'll tell you that they don't agree with what you just said or what you just read because it's their culture, it's, it's their environment, it's their religion, so to speak, or their church that's more important. Now, why is this so indoctrinated? I'm going to give you two reasons uh, why this is so pushed. And man, I'm not going to get a fraction of where I wanted to go tonight. But partly this is taught in our area, and, and I say our area because it's the only area we're dealing with, okay? Uh, you know, it, it's probably all over the South. But partly this is taught because of the same reason the Jews struggle with grace, because of pride. If grace is all you need, then I'm not better, superior, or chosen because of my spirituality. It's just, just pure pride. And if, if I get to heaven by grace, and it's not because of something I do, then I'm not better than somebody else. I'm not superior to those people that don't come. I'm not special, and therefore I'm not receiving salvation because I'm special. Because grace says I'm not special because everybody gets grace that wants it. Everybody that will receive it gets it. In the mind of pride, to receive grace as a gift and to receive grace as every other human being receives it diminishes my importance. I'm just not special. Now, secondly, it's taught in this area to keep people, listen to me now, this is one of the crucial things. It's amazing we start talking about that uh, tonight. But secondly, this is taught to keep people in subjection. To keep people coming to church, keep people giving to the church, 
because the fear of falling or fear of failing to live a life that will earn salvation keeps many coming to the church and giving to the church. But the Lord did not say to the Christian to live for me because you fear me. He said to live, live for me because you love me. Now, people won't admit it, but the truth is a lot of people around this community, they go to church because they have to. I said to a couple t- tonight, I said, uh, don't come because you feel like you have to come. I want you to come because you feel like God wants you to come. I feel you want to, you want to learn, you want to grow. Now look, if you feel like that you've got to come to church or you may lose your salvation, you may come to church. You may come to church more often. If you, if you feel like you've got to give to the church or you might not quite, look, it's like paid indulgences. Really, that's really a whole lot of the church. It's nothing more than Catholicism by a different name. It's paid indulgences. Paid indulgences was, was I can go sin as long as I can just drop down money to pay for it. Matter of fact, I can pay in advance and go sin. Did y'all know that? Now, really, you ought to be a Catholic. It's pretty cool. <laughs> because you can just, you can pay. You know I mean? They could. Uh, you can just pay in advance because you know you're going to go. It, it's kind of like Mardi Gras and all that stuff. I mean, they kind of do all their, their Lent season because, hey, because I got I to gotta build up a lot of credit because I'm fixing to go spend it. Do you understand? Well, listen, that's exactly what a lot of the churches are doing. And I don't want to name any of them, uh, but, but a lot of the churches have the people believing that they've got to earn their salvation and keep their salvation by coming to church, by getting baptized, by, by getting resaved, by getting rebaptized, but most of all, by showing up and throwing some money in the plate. And lots and lots of people, that's why they're showing up. Not because they want to, not because they're learning anything. They're showing up because, look, if they die tonight while they're drinking their beer, while they're having an immoral relationship, they're hoping that maybe that 20 bucks is going to cover them. Now, they'll never admit that, but that's what it is. Have I got everybody all shook up now? Now, look, that's not the way to reach people. It's not. We've, but we've got to understand what we're dealing with here in this area is people that have been, if they've been in church, it's almost better to find somebody that hasn't been in church at all. Because if they've been in church, they've been indoctrinated that works is, is part of their salvation is, is going to get them to heaven. And I, and I beg you, soul winners here, when you go out on Saturday, uh, when school starts, you know, go out on, on Wednesday, this, I beg you. And I'm going to be, probably when I finish Romans, I'm going to go through a little series, just a soul winning uh, demonstration series. Okay, teaching about it. But, but, but we've got to understand 
It, it does nobody any good to get them to pray a prayer when they're believing that prayer is one more work to help them to heaven. We're not a, we, we, don't, we don't run those kind of contests, okay? That's not what it's about. It's vital that we learn the Word of God, that we know how to win somebody, but it's also vital that we really look at them. You can look in their eyes, folks, and when you start into the soul winning plan and you get through and you say, would you, you, know, would you like to pray with me about this right now? Uh, do you want to know for sure you're going to heaven? I'm telling you, uh, they may agree, but you can look at their countenance, you can look in their eyes, and, and they'll sometimes they flash that doubt, and you need to be willing to stop and say, hold on, are, are you, is there some confusion yet? It's the reason that, that I ask them in, in there, it's the reason I ask them down here, because if they look at me with that doubt, I'm not going to baptize them. I don't care if we're both wet. We're not, going, we're not going to right now. We're going to come back out, and we're going to talk about it for a while because it's, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to be done. I didn't get halfway through. What, what kept me in doubt and confusion for about five years, my salvation, two things. One, I got saved through a, through a track, basically, a Gideon's Bible track. So I had nobody to give me assurance because there's no assurance verses in there. It's just salvation. So I, I doubted my salvation. But another thing that, that kept me in doubt was, was this. Everybody I talked to about my doubt, here's how they resol resolved it. They told me to pray the prayer again. Well, let me help you folks. If it didn't work last time, why is it going to work this time? You see, that's the way my brain reasoned. And, it, and if, if that didn't work... And they would tell me, well, you know, one guy said you didn't get baptized since you, you got saved. I, you know, you, you've been baptized, but you're not baptized since you really got assurance. Well, I, you know, I mean, I, 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 I've got assurance here. and I, I got baptized like six times because I, let's go through it again. Let's go through it again. And I, I, it's not, it, it's like, okay, well, you know, I even had them say, well, you already know the verses. And so we don't need to deal with that. We just need to pray and ask Christ to save you. Well, I've already done that. So how's this going to be different? I need somebody to back up with me and find out, as my preacher did in Hammond when I got there. I didn't get assurance, so I arrived there. Back up and let's start from the beginning. What did you believe here? And you know what? If that was salvation by grace, all I need is assurance. But if, if I had works my church membership, by anything involved in that, okay, then we not only have to go through the plan of salvation, but we've got to really clearly deal with this whole works issue. If it's of grace, it's no more of works. I didn't mean to get into a, uh, maybe I did mean to, I don't know, but anyway, uh, that's as far as we're going to get. We got to Romans eleven six, but that's the you know, my verse I love anyway. So uh, everybody's going to, we're going to be quizzed on it next week. And the reason we're going to be quizzed on it next week is because Brother Jesse is preaching next week because I'm going to be at camp. 
Amen? Aren't you all excited Brother Jesse going to be preaching it for you? Amen. All right, Brother Allen's going to pray for us.